Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by Chris Hall of West Virginia Sports Illustrated. This is the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You are now tuned into I Got Five on It. It's time to get our five in. Five statements or questions. We will give you five fill-in-the-blank answers. Jordan, spin that beat. Welcome back, RVK Nation, to another edition of I Got Five on It with the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm your host, Jordan Tykeri, and let's get things kicked off with the first blank. Listening to Neil Brown's Texas Tech post-game presser left me feeling blank. Empathetic for Neil Brown. (laughs) And I say that laughing because... Uh, empathetic for his frustration. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, I do get to see them practice in the fall and watch how they are coached. And you see those, especially on defense, you see those guys get sucked in on what the offense is doing, whether it's motion and you know what they're supposed to do in that situation and they don't do it because they get, they get suckered into the eye candy. So when he's getting frustrated, I feel empathetic because I know, um, but that's probably that's probably about it. Frustration along with empathy uh, for his frustration. Listening to Neil Brown's Texas Tech postgame presser left me feeling vindicated. There were a lot of people who wanted to celebrate the Baylor victory like West Virginia had turned some kind of corner. And I knew then, as I knew before, and as I know now, West Virginia is not where they need to be with Neil Brown. Neil Brown is not the guy, in my estimation, and that press conference post-Texas Tech left me feeling vindicated. Number two. The injury play will have blank effect on the TCU game. I want to say a little effect, because I don't give them much chance if they are fully healthy. Um, I mean, of course, I always give them a little chance in Morgantown, but uh, it's obviously going to have a big effect on it, but I, even if they were healthy, I don't think it would make that big of a difference in this game. The injury plague will have no real 
effect on the TCU game. I think the outcome is the outcome. Being at home will have the bigger impact than anything else. But no matter what, I don't think it's going to make enough of a difference for what's really going to matter when it comes to Texas Christian University this Saturday. Number three. After JT Daniels' rough outing, I feel blank about JT Daniels moving forward. I feel no different about JT. Uh, he's been who he's been. Um, he usually get he usually puts the ball in the right places, right situations. Uh, pressed a little bit at Texas Tech. They had that length on the outside, but um, there's nothing. That game doesn't doesn't tarnish what he can what he can be and what he's done this season. After JT's rough outing, I feel nonplussed about JT Daniels moving forward. I don't feel any different. JT Daniels is a talent, for sure, but he's not going to make a difference for this offense in any significant way as far as winning games because they don't have the pieces to the puzzle that they need to be as successful as they're going to need to be to make up for this defense. So I feel nonplussed. Number four. Winning the secret scrimmage against Dayton means blank. Very little. <laughs> um, a lot of those scrimmage, they just throw a lot of guys out there. It doesn't really matter. It's it's not a bad thing that that um, that they win, but uh, it really means nothing uh, to me. Winning the secret scrimmage against Dayton means absolutely nada. I'm going Spanish on y'all. It means nada. It means nothing to me. What difference does it make? First of all, it's Dayton. Not not the Flyers do put out a good product usually, but they're not a Big 12 basketball team. This is not regular season. A lot of players did not play. It means nothing to me. So I don't take anything away from it. Number five, the offensive failures against Texas Tech are on blank. Everybody, players, coaches, um, players got to make plays, but the coaches, uh, they have to get them in better position, and you have to uh, make better adjustments at halftime. The offensive failures against Texas Tech are on Neil Brown. The buck stops with Neil Brown. The defensive failures, the offensive failures, the failure of the program is on Neil Brown. And if you're upset about that, go check the bank account. He's getting paid for it to be his Triumph or his failure? Right now, it's on him. Well, that's it. You got five from the RVK plus Chris Hall. Get at your boys. Let us know what you think. But right now, it's time to move on to going in. Right, my boys. More than 100 schools available from home field apparel. If you like comfortable clothes, check them out. They are a partner with the Raspy Boys Kids and the 1012 Network. Use our code RASPY12, R-A-S-P-Y-12, for a discount on your first order. 15%. Go get it. Tell them we sent you. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there over four years with at least one episode a week, bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. 
I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. Rack me, boys! I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. And I'm I'm going in. We're going in. The RVK featuring Chris Hall this week in Jeremy's absence. Yes, pull one out for Jay. We miss him, of course. Nothing bad happened, and he just couldn't make it this week. You know, he's a busy man. He's got a lot going on. But this week, we real quick, Chris, we want to address what happened in the Texas Tech game. A lot of people complaining about the defensive formations, the defensive alignments, especially on fourth down against Texas Tech. Can you clue us in about what happened when Texas Tech was lining up with two receivers stacked with us having only one defensive back lined up on them on either side? So, I mean, obviously it's fourth and two. Um, Your initial thought is that most teams are probably going to run the ball or get the ball out quick. Um, The lineup issue, you know, a lot of the times when when you line up on the outside, when they have two stacks like that, um, you can go about it one of two ways. You can put your you can put a corner up on that first blocker um, and try to push him back into it, or you can have two out there, kind of split the difference. Um, but regardless, when you have two out there, you're going to have to the guys are going to have to make a play. Yes, there's only one man to beat, uh, but they have to make the play. They're just not making the play. Um, the, most of the reason why they're not up there is they're just outmanned outside. Uh, is why they're a lot of times they're not doing press coverage. Um, you can you can live and die by it, and on that fourth and two, the the offense coordinator they were going with, not that familiar with them. He was the guy that coached uh, Zappy, um, just threw a couple touchdowns in the night game. Bailey Zappy for the Patriots. Uh, he's a really good offensive coordinator. They understood that. So if you go up and press, and the, that first receiver, um, he slips off that block. All it is is a toss and catch. You can put a safety on the outside uh, over top with those two receivers, but at least you're lighting the box with five if you're doing it on both sides. So even if you do it on one side where you think it's going, then you're only six in the box on fourth and two. So it's kind of like where you're at in college football. Um, they spread everybody out. Uh, that's why you're seeing these scores. That's why you're seeing these crazy fourth down numbers because it's hard It's hard to guard that if you can win those matchups one-on-one on the outside. West Virginia just is not winning those matchups. They've said it time and time in post games. They're just kind of nice about it because they're not really throwing their players under the bus. But when you say you're not winning your matchups, that's what happens. So that, that's really what's going on. It's just they're not winning on the outside. And you, you saw Texas Tech, they jumped out to that early nothing lead and they settled down. If West Virginia offense can score, then maybe you can put them in a bind offensive where they have to feel the pressure, where they have to score every drive. And you put the pressure on them, but that just did not happen. Yeah, there was no pressure. We didn't score. Offensively, we didn't get it done. They played a lot of man coverage. Like you said, they had length on the outside, and our receivers did not respond well to it. Their defenders they have, not, they haven't. None of these receivers through their time here have handled it correctly, like at, at all. <laughs> like at all. So I, I've seen them coach differently, and you've seen them do it right. In in games, but I don't know what it is, but they just always revert back to those old habits. It's weird. It's not weird. It's what it is. 
Like, it's frustrating what? to watch. I know that. <laughs> I think yeah. everyone feels that frustration. <laughs> yeah. When you've got guys that, that on paper look like they have the talent because they have the speed, they have the size, Bryce Ford, we can, Wheaton making contested catches, and then when it comes down to it, they don't go up and get the ball or they can't get separation to where JT Daniels has a better window to throw in, it, it's, it's frustrating. So, I mean, that's where we are, but that's where we are under Neil Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't done it under his tenure. They haven't, and I think, you know, if you're going from the coaching perspective, what's frustrating is they recognize their failures after the game. And, yes, they'll correct the next time, but, like, you got to make those in-game adjustments. When things aren't going well, you got to fix it immediately because then it ends up being 48 to 10. You know, in the case at Texas, you know, they thought that they could go down and they took the ball. They thought they could go down and score, put the points on the board. And like I said, with the, with the offense, they thought they could put pressure on that backup quarterback by putting an early, early seven on the board. They went three and out, completely backfired, and it just snowballed. So you try to mix it up. You try to have faith. And every decision it seems like he's made is just backfired. And a lot of it is in-game adjustments. I'm not seeing it offensively, and I haven't seen it since he's been here. Nope, I agree. You get no argument from me. And to be honest, I'm done with the Texas Tech game. Let's put it to bed. Like Jeremy would say, put it in a bag, beat it with a stick, throw it on the road. <laughs> Burn it, bury it. Get Move on. It. It's time for TCU and the Horn Frogs. They come to Morgantown this Saturday. We get them at noon. What do you think about this game? The line is only seven and a half last I saw. That's, that's respect for Morgantown. That's what that line is. Um, there is, I mean, of course, TCU has haters, and most of them come from the state of Texas. And The, the big knock on TCU right now is they've, they've, they've faced a lot of teams that's been banged up. They got to meet Kansas without their starting quarterback. They, I think they knocked out Oklahoma's quarterback. I think they beat up Spencer Sanders. Whatever. Everyone's banged up this time of year. So regardless, they're seven and zero. They're very good. They're a good team, but they, no one should be discrediting what they're doing. They're physical and they can spread it around. They've got playmakers. They've got a couple running backs. They've got receivers. They've got court. Like go down the list. Patterson de- definitely uh, didn't leave that cover dry. He's had a great foundation there for year for years. They just need another spark, and maybe it's just momentum. They caught it early. Maybe they are catching the right teams at time, but TCU is definitely talented and they are a handful. They offensively, they are, I believe they've got 14, 40 plus play, 40 plus yard plays on the season. They're very explosive. Max Duggan, I saw was fourth in a straw poll for the Heisman, which is crazy. I don't think anybody would have predicted that preseason. I like our chances against Max Duggan, to be honest. I'm not saying we're going to win, but I, I I like our chances. I like the game to be closer than what the experts think. I predicted this morning or uh, Wednesday morning on WTAP 44-37. TCU well, win. The same problem you had at Texas Tech, you're going to fall. You're going to run in with Sonny Dykes. <laughs> He's very good yeah. at that Captain Mouse game. Uh, very good. Uh, it's really going to be about West Virginia's offense. Um, you got to make them feel pressure on the road. You got to make them feel like they have to score, and hopefully your defense can create enough cause, create enough chaos to maybe cause a turnover, get an easy score that way. 
that's really what you're hoping for with this team. Uh, you just got to hope, just pretty much like in 2012, that your offense can score enough and put enough pressure on the opposition uh, to get them out of their comfort zone, to get them uh, to press and maybe force something that they normally wouldn't with a two or three touchdown lead. So that's basically what you're hoping for. Uh, this is a very, very good TCU team. I don't know how they're going to find pressure. This is a very good offensive line. It's a big, strong offensive line. No surprise. <laughs> Run into it every week in the Big 12. Um, and they have a strong running game. They got two really good running backs. I know um, Miller gets a lot of love, but I think it's Evans uh, back there with him. Uh, he's just as good. They're very dynamic. Um, they're going to have explosive plays everywhere. You're not. I don't know. With his defense, I don't even know, you know, so much of this defense right now is just trying to keep things in front of him and force him. Again, it's just going to have to be so much of this offense. And that defense isn't bad for TCU. It's just when, you know, everything's a track meet. You know, kind of talked about it. It's just you're forcing – when you score so much, the opposition is obviously going to have to try to score and they're going to throw it a lot. So they're, an opportun- they're, they're, they're still an opportunistic defense like they were under Patterson. Yeah, <laughs> like Jeremy said, and I totally agreed the moment he said it, opportunistic defense means you stink. TCU is, ranks in a lot of st- statistical categories near the bottom of the nation defensively. They're not very good. So yeah. I don't respect them a lot. The other thing that's important for what we're going to try, what we have to do as WVU. But I, I would say don't fall victim to that. Because Texas Tech's defense statistically is great, but <laughs> that length on the outside causes problems, obviously, for West Virginia. It doesn't mean that they're going to go playoff contending defense, but for West Virginia, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's up to us to figure out how to beat it. But it's it's beatable, I guess is what I'm saying. It's beatable. Oh, it's very beatable. Absolutely very beatable. One important thing is the turnover battle. Jeremy made a note that every time we win this year, every time we won, we've won the turnover battle Tw- two times. Every time we lose, we we lost the turnover battle. That's three times. When we tie, we're one and one. One, I believe, was Virginia Tech. The other one was Texas. So turnover battle is a big deal. La- before, under Neil Brown, it was always if we rushed for 100 yards or more, we would win the game. Now it seems to be about turnovers, which is the truth for most teams. I would say that that is a misleading statistic because I don't care how many turnovers we had, we weren't beating Texas. And I feel the same way about Texas Tech. Turnovers made a difference maybe in the final score, but I don't think they would have made a difference in the outcome. What do you think about that? It's it's what you do with the turnovers that matter. You You can get four turnovers, but if you're, you know, if you're going for it on fourth and ten from the fifty for whatever reason, and you just throw a deep ball and hope for a pass interference or maybe win the battle, uh, and it gets intercepted, that's a punt. That's a turnover. So it, it depends on the turnover and what you do with it. So if you're causing turnovers um, back deep in their own territory and you put it in the end zone, then it matters. It definitely matters. And I think even if you get it at midfield or you spring it loose deep. You know, as they're getting ready to score, go down and flip it, turn flip that uh, to a fourteen point advantage your way. So, so much of that is what you do with turnovers. Um, you know, if you go back to the pit game, you know, West Virginia didn't score on any of those turnovers. They got one to turn the tide, and they threw it right back to them. So immediately, 
immediately. Well, they didn't throw it. It was a fumble, but it was yeah. a fumble. Yeah. And they went right and they went down and scored on that. So, so I mean, it, it matters. So you, you have to take advantage of those turnovers and obviously you have to create them. Uh, you know, they had one slip through their hands again last week and how many fumbles were on the ground. So there is something to that set. Obviously you want to take care of the ball, but if you don't do anything with it, it's just like stopping them. If you force them to punt and three and outs, but you don't take advantage, take advantage of the field position. What good did it do you? It's a frustrating thing because, you know, we never can put together the two sides of the ball. You know, with Neil Brown, we'd been having good defenses, just inept offenses. Then we figured out how to have a good offense this year, and our defense failed us. This last game against Texas Tech, nothing worked. I see a lot of people talking about Jordan Leslie. I personally am not anti-Jordan Leslie. The product hasn't been good this year, but I think it's more about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's. When you're small and slow, you're not going to be good. Period. I don't care who's calling the defense. I don't care if it's Buddy Ryan in 1985. You're not going to be good on defense if your guys are small and slow. Am I off base there, Chris? No, not at all. And it, it, you you bring up small, you, you have to think about that as well. Um, 11 P5 schedule, when you're the undersized team every week, uh, you, you see the injuries piling up. <laughs> like it, Even when the guys aren't on the injury list, they're banged up. Like They're getting beat up. And that's yeah. part of the, that's part of the inconsistency right there you, and why they can't match it on the road. I mean, you go across the offense and defensive lines when they played Texas, they played two, three hundred and sixty pound nose guards. When Baylor came to Morgantown, I was like, all right, I got to see this three hundred sixty pound nose guard. And I walked down there. He was hard to find. There was a lot of big guys down there that you could say, is he 360? Is he 360? And I'm not saying a few. I'm talking like dozen easily. Everybody on that defense and offensive line was huge. And then you when you walk down to West Virginia, you're like, yeah, well, this is over. And I don't even know how that they won because of the turnovers at the end of the game. That's how they won. They yeah. did not physical them. They didn't push them around. They're, they're a lot smaller than everybody else. So there's a lot. There's a lot. and. If you can't retain, you can't retain the talent that you lost off the defense, and you're plugging in guys that look they're in the program, a couple more years, you, you could probably rely on them a little more. Uh, but it's just they are completely overmatched, just like they've been for the last few years. Yeah, so that's where we are. Like RVK, I'm not sitting here absolving Jordan Leslie of of. I'm not going to tell you that he hasn't made mistakes or that he's been perfect. I'm no. not saying that, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's his fault. I definitely think he's put a good product on the field the last, you know, for most of his time here. You can excuse him when he doesn't have his guys. You can make the argument about whether or not he's involved or ha- how how much responsibility is his as far as retaining talent. But I ultimately put it on Neil Brown. Neil Brown gets the credit when we have good recruiting classes. So he should get the blame when we lose talent to the transfer portal as well. That's that's how I see it. And ultimately, if Neil Brown loses his job, more than likely Jordan Lovely will too. So it's up to both of them to figure it out, and they better figure it out fast. Because the fan base, for the most part, is done with him. The brass doesn't seem to be finished yet. There's, so we're going to have to wait and see what actually happens. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an inter- I mean, it's, it's honestly an interesting time because it's obviously the plan has been from the beginning 
and I mean, it's not like he kept it from Shane Lyons. Was we're from Neil Brown's perspective, he his thought is we're going to build from the ground up. We're not using jute. We're not going to spend our half our scholarships on JUCOs and transfers. We want to build with freshmen, especially up front, because they're not going to get the four and five stars that are going to be immediate impact. They have to develop, and you know. He's probably, and rightfully so to a degree, probably getting a little bit of pass right now because of the pandemic. When you have a bunch of young guys and you miss pretty much two years of offseason to develop and get those guys bigger, it's a problem. So I don't know if how long that's going to last. <laughs> that's going to slide. But no matter what, you got to get bigger and you got to find some playmakers because you said it. It's the Jimmys and Joes at the end of the day. And right now, I think as fans, as a lot of people, so much emphasis is on the coaching. And like you said, look at the checking account, right? Like he's getting paid to figure it out. Um, they're just not there yet. I don't know what, you know, if you bring in the next coach, what's the plan? You know, are you going to have money to buy players? Are you going to have money to retain players? Like there's a lot more questions that need done for the whole plan than just what's going on in the field. So maybe a new coach is the right answer. Maybe it's not, maybe there's no money, but I guess we're going to find out some answers this off season. Well, this is not acceptable. As long as we know, this is not acceptable. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone's accepting this, but I know there are people who are accepting it. Chris, there are plenty of people who are acting like this is acceptable. It's part of the process. That we are headed in the right direction. And I, my argument is we're I not. I tell you on my feed, I am not seeing anyone accepting it. <laughs> I haven't seen I mean, any of that on my feed. Of course, it's a little different, but yeah. I see a lot of negativity, and I, I, I'm not trying to defend anything. It's just that's what I'm seeing is a lot of negativity. And you can't not say, well, why are you being negative when you just got shellacked 48 to 10. And as, as far as NIL buying players, NIL, they got to figure that out. Ohio State, I use them often. They're the poster child. Ryan Day came out and said he needed $13 million for the current roster. They're st- the, the administration, the people in charge of Ohio State football are working with the collectives, with the boosters, to raise the money for NIL at Ohio State. Same thing happening at other universities throughout the nation. West Virginia right now is handicapping what their collective can do in working with the administration, working with the staff. Who can do what? Who can say what? How they can raise money? Until that's yeah, figured that's out, we're this, this offseason matters. Like, this this matters. Like, you're right. Like, this 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 matters. Like, you have to they, figure this out. You can't, you can't be, oh, gosh, gee, we're going to do things the right way. Well, what's the right way? What's like, the right way? First of all, there's no <laughs> what do you wild mean? west right now for the most part. For one, it's nothing but the wild west. For that's 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 what's going on right now. So you're behind, which is typical, in my opinion, is typical West Virginia. Not typical West Virginia University, not typical West Virginia football, typical the state of West Virginia. We're always behind the eight ball. And it's gotta stop. And it's gotta stop soon because it's really hurting us. Yeah, it's and it's I we mean, gotta catch it's, up it's, it, or we're gonna it get goes left everywhere. The, the Go thing is <laughs> it's not just about going and buying the talent, like you know, Akeem Esador was is obviously talented, right? Like he should have never 
these players, especially an Akeem Mesador, should never want or need in this in this era. They should never have no one should be in their ear at all. As soon as someone comes in their ear, like, no, I'm comfortable with West Virginia. We're good. We're good here. I, I got money in my pocket. That that should be like you shouldn't be losing second team all conference players. Like that shouldn't happen. So and you lose a porter, like, yeah, he wasn't a world beater, but another year in the system. Some of the communication may be different. You know what I mean? Like some of the errors that you're seeing may have changed. So you can't. I, I argue that. Like that. I argued that from the jump. When we lost Daryl Porter Jr. People like we're better off without him. I'm like you're crazy. Just from a depth standpoint, by itself, it, you're crazy. Right. So we lose. Ja- so, we lose Jackie Matthews. People act like that's not a big deal. You're crazy. That was huge. And the thing is, like. We can sit here and say, well, they left for this reason or they left for this reason or that. Well, outside perception is it's money, right? Like you ain't looking anywhere if you're good. If you're flush, you're not looking for another job, right? Like if you're comfortable with your job. You ain't looking around. You're not updating your resume. They have to get to that point. You can't become the Pittsburgh Pirates of college football and become a farm team for the rest of the – for your competitors. Like you're already behind because you're not, you know, one of the reasons Don Nealon was able to turn it around is when Penn State went and recruited a kid or Pitt went and recruited a kid at Pittsburgh, he could bring them to Morgantown and say, hey, you can go beat those guys next year. They they, yep. owned, they overlooked you. Now you have your chance to go beat them. You don't have that anymore. So what are you offering? Your family, if you're if you're recruiting locally, your family gets to only see half the games if the if they can make it to Morgantown, if they have the luxury. The rest of the games are halfway across the country. So, what are they doing to separate themselves? And that's the question that's going to have to be answered this year, and we'll find out as soon as they start hitting the portal. I'm afraid we're going to lose a lot of players this offseason. We'll see, because, I mean, these are high school kids, and the recruits are like, hey, we're staying here because of Neil Brown. We're staying committed because of Neil Brown. And and that's not a fear of, well, let's get rid if, – if you get rid of Neil Brown, get players. No matter what, you're going to have players leave if a new coach. But you're going to have the same, the same gaps with a new coach. Unless the new coach comes in and demands, like, hey, we got to work to do it, and if they listen, then fine. But then why aren't they doing it now? So, it takes vision. You got to get a guy it, with vision or girl. I don't it, care who it is. Guy, girl. And, and everything publicly that Neil Brown has stated about NIL, he's open. But how open to what? Like this vagueness has got to stop because when you have Texas Tech, and they're no, by no means a blue blood, when you have them given players just for putting on the jersey for $25,000 a year, that's a problem. Because you're not doing that, and that's a team that's on your same level, and they just beat the they just beat the hell out of you. So I've had people tell us that we're given comparable numbers, and I said if we're doing that, we're not promoting it enough, and that's a not. problem. Then why would why would you not use that as a recruiting tool? It's crazy. You're not making it's crazy. That, public? that is that would be that's terrible decision making. And again, it's terrible if marketing. Because, if if you if you're trying to make it to your fan base like oh we're not paying players well that's everybody's paying their players like everyone needs to get over that that's been going on for decades anyway it's just legal now so like you need to get over this like facade like this good old this is all do you remember by the way American 
But speaking that? of pain, speaking of pain players, and it's been going on. Do you remember when Jock Sanders got a DUI and he was in a brand new Dodge Charger? Yeah, that was no Devon driven around too. I know that. I remember that, and everybody was worried about the DUI. But I was thinking, where to get the Charger? Had yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But nobody talked too. about it. Anyway, that's old news. Well, doesn't really matter. Yeah, none of that matters. But let's move on. Okay, so now it's time to do a rundown on college football this weekend. What games are you looking forward to watching this weekend, Chris? Well, I get the privilege of being at Skylar's wedding. So this is my first weekend that I've been so fortunate this year that I've got to watch a lot of college football. But since I don't really get to watch it, there is always there's always some games I'll keep an eye on. So uh, I'll give you. We'll just start off. I I always like uh, the world's largest cocktail party, which I don't. I think in the world we live in, they don't call it the world's largest cocktail party. No, I don't know, know what they call it now. But hey, it's number one versus Florida. Um, rivalry games. You gotta love rivalry games. Always expect the unexpected in that one. I, I that one's always a go-to. It's like the Red River rivalry, right? Like it's just one of those mid-season rivalries you gotta tune into. Yeah, I like that. I also like Ohio State, Penn State. I like it better when it's at night, and I like it better when it's a whiteout in in uh, up there in in uh, at uh, happy in Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Yes, you won't get me any. It's good to say anything about Penn State. Probably like I won't get you to good say anything good about Ohio State. No, no chance. Not. I mean, <laughs> Ohio State. It'll be a good game. game It'll be a good game. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Ohio State wins by three touchdowns. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Penn State's but they've been struggling to score. They have not. Yeah, they did okay against Minnesota, though. They put up some numbers against Minnesota. Minnesota's been bad. They have been so disappointing. They started uh, off strong. Like Jeremy will tell you, Minnesota had a top 10 defense, one of the best defenses in the nation. Did you listen to that? You probably didn't even hear that. Jeremy kept no. saying that. He was going down the top 10 defenses in the nation. They're all from the Big Ten because – not because the defenses are that good, but because the Big Ten offenses are abysmal. Yeah. Outside of Ohio State, they're the only one that really runs a spread. Yep. Or of course, you got our game. I guess. You got our game at noon. You've got Oklahoma State and Kansas State at 3.30, but I'm not that interested in that game because Adrian Martinez may not play. I think Oklahoma State wins that game easy. The game I'm looking forward to the most um, is – UK and Tennessee at 7 o'clock Saturday night. That game could be a really good one. Will Levis, Hendon nah, Hooker. It's going to be – he's going to roll. Tennessee's going to roll. Kentucky, Kentucky's good. I, Stoops has definitely done – I mean, obviously, he's done a great job at Kentucky. But that Tennessee team, i tell you what. <laughs> Heupel's got that offense all over the place. They're just flinging it around. Uh, you got to like Tennessee. I don't know if they've got enough to – looking forward to that Georgia matchup, but. I, I don't. I don't think that's going. I think Tennessee is just going to run away with that one. All right. Well, that's what we got. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at rivalry again. Michigan State, Michigan. That always seems to turn out to be a good one. I like those midseason rivalry games that are like kind of sleepy. There's one team that kind of dominating, but it's a rivalry. Never discount. Never discount rivalries, especially yeah, big spread. Tucker, Michigan's up twenty three. Mel Tucker and Michigan State beat them last year, and I just think Michigan remembers and won't let it happen again. It takes one play to put doubt in them and remember that yeah. loss last year. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. All right. No, so no, Pitt, got, no Pitt, North Carolina love. You're not going to watch Pitt, North Carolina. It's at UNC. Are you, Pitt, are you crazy? 
Um, what about the NFL? What do you see on the schedule for week eight? Well, obviously, Patriots and Jets. That actually, Jets I mean, won. I think the Jets, Jets win that five game. And two? Yeah. That's a Patriots, rivalry game. You notice a theme here, rivalry. Jets, yeah. five and two. That's a surprise, right? Patriots, yeah. two and four, probably not really surprised to anybody. But, I mean, in the terms of that that division history right there, the Jets can beat the Patriots even though it's at home. I mean, that's big for that franchise, especially to go to six and two, and then all of a sudden you're in contention with Buffalo. Let's say talent is going to match, but I think that's a good matchup for – I think it's a fun matchup. Then it's Geno time. Geno versus the Giants. Seahawks in New York at 425 on Sunday. Geno rolling in conversation for the NFL MVP. If he was pretty much anybody else, he would be talked about much at a much greater clip about being the MVP. The Giants, uh, Dable's got him rolling right now. What do you think about that game? That's a big one. Luckily, the Seahawks are at home. But, man, that Giants team is tough, and they are fun to watch. They uh, are. I don't know if Gino's got the defense for this game. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how he goes. That's a good Giants defense, too. Um, he yeah. hasn't put up yards, really, the last two games. But, man, he's been efficient. Um, it'd be nice. I can't wait for this new NFL <laughs> TV deal. It'd be nice to be able to watch these games on a regular, uh, see how he's you know completely playing. But uh, I got Sunday tickets, and I watch him every Sunday. That must be nice. Look at you, high class. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. Yeah, I up in your work. ivory tower looking down on us all. Hey, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, the and other game, the, Monday- Ram- the, Ram- the Rams-Niners. That's a good one for another division. The Rams are garbage, man. I don't think the Rams are any good. Lost some key pieces. They lost some key pieces. They've had some injuries. And I think the Niners, they're they got it roll. I think they got it rolling against the Rams. Brown Bengals. Huh? Browns Bengals. That's Bengals. Have you seen what they're doing now? (laughs) Any chance to watch Joe Burrow to Chase? I love it. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I love it. Yeah. I love that combat. That's going to be, I hope they, I hopefully they can keep that duo together. Luckily, they're friends. They've been at LSU, but money becomes an issue. That'll be a fun, that's a fun duo to watch in the future. Now that they're clicking, it's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. It's actually a pretty decent Sunday. Last week was a bad week for college football and for the NFL. This week's much better. I have to work, but I'll be taking my iPad, and hopefully there won't be any patience to bother. Oh, how did we miss this one? An inter, an, an interstate rivalry, Steelers-Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I feel Steelers, like, again, Steelers, the Eagles, Steelers are down bad, though. Steelers are down uh, bad. Think, I think the Eagles roll. I think the Eagles roll. See, I'm a, like, if anyone knows me personally, they know I hate the Steelers. But, man, I never, like, never count, out, never count them out. Never. Especially, like – Going right across there, the freeway there. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Don't count out the Steelers, man. Don't come up and bite you when you start to doubt them. I feel like the Eagles have it going. Like they really are, they're focused and they're serious. They do. I'm not saying, I would 100%, I'm 100% saying that the Eagles will probably roll, but I will never count out the Steelers. I think Especially that's fair. Tomlin's like, while Tomlin's there, like he, like he does to me, he does more with less every single year. Like he always, they'll go down like two touchdowns, and nine times out of ten, if they're down whatever it is at halftime, he's going to get within one possession by the end of the game. 
every single time. Except Good game to watch Kaiser White, the Mountaineer connection, Kaiser White for the Eagles, Blaine yeah. Stewart coaching for the Steelers. So that's a good game if you're a Mountaineer fan. A lot of Steeler fans listen to this Eagles show. Eagles fans are loving Kaiser. Eagles fans loving Kaiser. And rightfully so. Yeah. He's having a good year. Which, by the way, I said before it started that I thought Kaiser White was the best of the White brothers. And a lot of people clown me, but it, so far he's had the best career out of all of and them. And it's now, crazy, too. He moved to linebacker. Yeah. He's playing safety. He's linebacker. Yes, he Yep. He's an undersized well, that's all I got, linebacker Chris. making moves. What'd you say? I said he's an undersized linebacker making moves. I love it. I love it too. Playing with speed, playing with tenacity. Uh, that's all I got for this week's show. You got anything you want to add? No. No. Tell the I, people where I, they can find you and find your work. Uh, you can find me at WV Hallbilly on Twitter, and you can find us, uh, West Sports Illustrated West Virginia, at Mountaineers Now. It's only our third name change in the last few years, but at Mountaineers Now. All right, get at your boys. Like, listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Love us because we love you. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.